Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Coaches Coffee Club, and you're in for a treat today. We spoke to Jack Collison. Jack is a former professional footballer, played for Peterborough United, Cambridge United, and West Ham, as well as uh, 15 caps uh, international level for Wales. So we had a chat with him today um, around his playing career, his time at West Ham. He's transitioning into coaching. He talked about returning to West Ham in a coaching capacity, uh, his time at Peterborough, um, how he transitioned into life as a coach. We touched on his work now, his current role at Atlanta United, and he shares some fascinating insights into working under the likes of Gianfranco Zola, Sam Allardyce, uh, some of the top coaches that have shaped his coaching journey and the way he likes to act now so really really interesting and insightful stories from Jack we also asked him uh, he's the best players he's ever played with and against he shares his all-time Welsh 11 which I think is uh, fantastic not only the the fact that he, he could have put himself in there but he's uh, he was stuck with with some of the players to, to pick so really interesting uh, debate around who and why he's picked um, some of the teams he's faced and, and the players he's been fortunate enough to, to play with on a daily basis. So really excited. I'm, I'm sure you're going to love this one. Make sure you get yourself onto um, iTunes or wherever you get the, the podcast from. Give it a five-star review. Please share it, comment. Um, and in the meantime, make sure you head over to our sponsor, Pitch. Pitch is a startup company Um it's a validated LinkedIn style website which helps players get identified. It's a good psychological buffer, um, can have an impact on the mental health of young players being released from academies. It can set them up for future successes at different clubs. Um, so make sure if you're a coach or a player, you're looking to gain exposure or find new players, get yourself over to www.pitchrmt.com. Sign up. It's free to sign up. Really, really good tool. All the coaches and guests on the podcast have been there, so make sure you, you get over and take a look. Um, but in the meantime, give this a listen. I say, I'm sure you're going to uh, enjoy it. Massive thanks to Jack for giving up his time, and we will see you at the end of the podcast. We are back with another episode of the Coaches Coffee Club, and I am delighted to uh, welcome our sixth guest, um, can't believe we've been going for six months already, but this time it's uh, it's early morning for Mr. Jack Collison. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. Nice to see you. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for coming on, but I really appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll touch on why it's uh, early morning for you and, and not for us later in the episode. Um, but what what I wanted to do, what we're going to have a chat around today, is is your journey, I guess, on both sides of the the touchline. Um, and and sort of how you're finding it nowadays off the pitch uh, in in a coaching capacity. So I guess before we start, for anyone who's listening who maybe has lived under a rock for a while, can you give us <laughs> a, a brief insight into into your football journey and and how you came to to be coaching? Yeah, of course, no problem. Um, yeah, I suppose for me, my uh, my journey's probably started slightly earlier than I would have liked to um, joined West Ham at 16 after being at a couple of academies at Peterborough and Cambridge um, fortunate enough to make my way through the youth team reserves and finally get into the first team um, so all's going well enjoying playing 
being a regular in the team and um, all of a sudden pick up an injury. So the last sort of three, four years of my career were managing an injury, managing a bad knee where I couldn't really train much and really struggling in the game. So I suppose from then, probably from about 22, 23, um, I always had an eye on sort of the next step, the next journey for me. Um, so I started my coaching badges while I was still playing. Um, and then eventually I, I had an entire year out from playing because the knee was <laughs> in a bad way. Um, and it was during that year I, I set up my, um, my soccer school um, and, and started having a serious look at coaching. But I wanted to give playing one last try. So joined Peterborough um, with the hope of trying to find some sort of form and, and play some games. But by Christmas time, it was pretty evident that um, I just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, I had the youngsters running rings around me and uh, I just wasn't doing myself justice out on the pitch. So um, Barry Fry, to be fair to him, um, offered me the chance to sort of step away from playing and, and take the youth team. So one day I'm in the changing room with the first team sort of preparing for the game and the next day I'm chucked in front of uh, 18, 20 lads uh, come on and impress us with very limited coaching experience um, obviously lots of playing experience but no idea how to handle the group how to try and put a team together how to really put a session on so it was um, it was certainly a, a case of being chucked in at the deep end um, fortunately for me I had some fantastic people around me I mean I had Kieran Scarf around me at the time who was a massive help and also let me sort of crack on and make my mistakes. And uh, Ryan Semple, who's, who's uh, up at Man City now. So to have him around me support me as well, especially in them early days, was was great for me. And I had a chance to, to sort of take the under-18s at Pete Reunited. And as I said, that 18 months there was, was a real test, a real challenge in terms of, I suppose, just putting into practice what you learn on these coaching courses they give you all the all the work all the all the theory behind the sessions and that but I suppose for me the biggest thing was getting out on the grass every day and, and working with the players and, and sort of finding my way that way and I suppose after time I started to improve and start to get a bit better and after 18 months the opportunity come to to head back to West Ham um, so obviously for me it made total sense um being there for 10 years as a player and for me I felt it would be a, a real good experience to, to go and learn off obviously some new coaches and work with some real top elite players um, so that opportunity come up and had a year with the under 16s and then the following season got promoted to the under 18s and, and had a year with them as well um, and sort of the whole time I was continuing with my, my badges which were great um, I thought the advanced youth with the FA was actually very good and very helpful, yeah, especially yeah. the stuff in in terms of uh, trying to create the right environment, uh, which was a real help. And obviously getting the chance to chat to, to other coaches um, and just pick their brains and, and make connections like that. Um, and at the same time, the Welsh FA was supporting me. Um, along with my pro licence. So <laughs> all in all, it's been quite a fast journey and it, it kind of brought me to a bit of a crossroads at the start of this season um, where it was always a, a, a sort of dream of mine to, to go out to the US and um, I always felt towards the end of my career I'd try and do it as a player but um, an opportunity come up to, to go to Atlanta United and 
it was one of them. I, I love love being at West Ham. I love my time there. But having been there for ten years as a player and um, a couple of years as a coach, I felt this would be a really good challenge and a, a chance to sort of step outside the comfort zone, as you say, and go get a taste of a, a completely new environment and a new style of play and just a, a new format completely. So currently at Atlanta, um, working with the under-17s and, yeah, really enjoying it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. No, I'm, ple- I'm pleased it's going well, mate. I, I, before, we, before we chat about what you're doing now, just going back to, you mentioned your first role at, at Peterborough. Now that was, you, you admitted it being coming along a lot, a lot sooner than you'd have hoped. So I guess some some players who have a aspiration to go into coaching can use the last few years of their sort of playing days to to note down sessions or, or look at the things they're doing differently um, in preparation for that. I guess that probably wasn't the case for you, was it? Like you said, one day you're a player, the next yeah. day you're <laughs> a coach. So what, what, what were those... Do you mind sharing with us some of the, the difficulties that you, you faced early on or, or were there things that, that came up you weren't expecting or that you found harder than, than maybe you'd anticipated? Yeah, I feel, well, a, a lot. <laughs> I mean, as I, yeah, as I said, you, there, I? Sorry, yeah, man. no, <laughs> I mean, I was always, um, I think as a player, you're always confident and you're confident, sorry, and you're, you're happy in your environment and in terms of, of me as a player, I always felt I would try to lead and often had captain roles in that within the team. So I was quite comfortable speaking in front of a group. But uh, literally the first time I was sent in to speak in front of the uh, <laughs> the youth team at Peterborough, I was, I was uh, <laughs> shitting myself, so to say. <laughs> um, I, and it's unsure, I was unsure why. I, I suppose you always have that, that confidence within, but where I haven't hadn't really spent too much time coaching with a group and... Obviously, these are young lads trying to become professionals, and I felt the pressure of, of really trying to trying to give them everything that they needed to get to the next step. It's such an important role for me, that youth team manager, because you bridge the gap. You 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 have to to try and give them the tools to sort of step in and make a career out of it. And certainly, that that first talk, standing up and talking in front of them, was was very difficult. And I don't think I'd fully prepared myself for it. So I made sure whenever I had a chance again to to speak to a new group, I, I made a couple of notes and and was very very sure on the points that I wanted to get across. <laughs> um, and then once I got into the role, just just little things, making sure the area size was right. Um, I didn't want the possession to be too small or too big, and, and panicking about the real, the real sort of basic things like that. Um, and then as I grew into the role, uh, I found myself spending so much time and effort managing, I suppose the the players off the pitch in terms of their emotions, if they're not in the team, making sure they're happy, can staying on top of their schoolwork, and I just found that 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 side of things for me when I was thinking about becoming a coach you know, I just thought yeah go put on a session set up a game but you end up spending most of your time I'm, I'm sure you're the same actually just dealing with the player and, and trying to make sure that they're happy and they're in the right frame frame of mind to be able to train day in day out and, and obviously deliver on a match day and that was a real eye opener for me and where, where I was quite fortunate within my sort of short playing career I managed to experience quite a lot in terms of relegation promotion being in the team being out of the team long-term injuries so I think I had 
coping mechanisms within me. It was just finding a way to get them out there and, and sort of get them over to the boys and, and try and help them through my own experiences. Um, but as I said, the, the early days especially were, were very testing and I found myself questioning myself a lot. Um, but I'd say the biggest, the biggest thing for me was having a, a real good support group in, in obviously Scarfy and Semps, um, having that experience and good people around me and, and guys who are willing to sort of let me make my own mistakes as well at the same time was a, was a real big learning curve for me. And, and obviously I'm really grateful for that. And as I said, those early days were, were very challenging and tricky, but for me, after a while, you find you, you find a way where it's actually, yeah, this is great, this is in, enjoyable, and especially the match days. Um, come, coming away as a player, I used to love the match days because you work all week preparing for something, and especially if you got a good weekend where the boys would go out and perform and you'd see one or two things maybe you'd been working on. It, it certainly gave me a real good buzz and a... Yeah a real sort of belief that oh, actually do you know what you might you might be able to do this just stick with it a little <laughs> bit longer <laughs> would you you go you said there around a lot of your work was was with players and, and chatting about uh, the highs and lows and, and sharing your experiences with them do you, do you think I guess two questions to that do you think that that's probably the the bigger role you play as a coach, especially working with that sort of 16 to 19, 20 year old player. Is that, is that where you put a lot of your time and effort now and have your experiences, you touched on it, have they been able to, to help you in dealing or, or sharing advice with players? Oh, massively, massively. I've, it's quite, it's such a, it's such a rewarding age to work with, but it's also such a challenging age. I think they've got so much to deal with these kids. They've got a lot of pressure on them, often from outside sources, parents, agents, people expecting them to, to sort of crack it at the very top. And I think for me, the biggest thing that I've found, I, I played my best football when I was happy and, and when training was fun and it was a nice environment to be around. That is obviously from my own experience, it's something I took from Zola. He was my favourite manager because one, he cared about you and wanted to know about what was going on off the pitch. But two, you felt you could talk to him and, and training was always sharp and fun and exciting. And I found you looked forward to going in. So I suppose it was twofold for me. I wanted to try and make a fun environment but obviously a tough environment but somewhere where the boys could come in and secondly I wanted to get myself in a place where I, the boys could feel they could open up to me and talk to me because I found by building them sort of relationships and and sometimes that chat on the way to to the training session that two or three minutes with one of the boys was more important than the, the session that was to follow and and certainly um managing their expectations, trying to keep them level, trying to keep them on top of their schoolwork and just trying to be everything for them, your coach, your father figure, your friend were needed. And I found um, by sort of trying to develop them relationships, it, it started to, to obviously help the team performance. They felt, I felt that they could trust me and, and all of a sudden you'd see they'd, they'd work a little bit harder for you within sessions, within games and it's certainly something moving forward now that I'm, I'm very keen to sort of promote, trying to build good relationships with the individual, trying to find out a little bit more about them and just try to get them to a place where they're happy and they can enjoy their football. Did, did, you, did, you, expect, did you expect that to be the case? 
before when you no. just into coaching? Did you think that would be where you'd have to put a lot of your emphasis on? No, I thought he's go on, put a session on, <laughs> set a team up on a match day. Do, do you know what I mean? You yeah, don't yeah. you don't really envisage all the stuff that goes that goes into it and and even little things like now I'm I'm well I'm pretty obsessed. Um, so in terms of planning sessions, making sure everything's sort of right leading up to it, you don't really realise as a player how much goes into to trying to build a team and and trying to make sure the week's right and, and trying to make sure absolutely every message is passed across going into a match day and sort of the different and inventive ways you can do it. And it's it's funny now I I look back and. I think about some of the coaches that I worked under and, and little ingenious ways they'd get things across. Um, like for me, Sam Allardyce's his attention to detail um, leading up to a game was was sensational. You'd, you'd never go into a game unsure of your job or unsure of what you're coming up against. So from Sam Allardyce, I'd probably take that sort of thing, trying to get the detail across. And sometimes it's in a chat, sometimes it's in a video, sometimes it would be in a, a poster or a little message around the training ground. It's just, just drip feeding little bits into the boys. Um and obviously other messages, as I said, Zola was a, a caring type, a great man-to-man manager, especially one-on-one stuff and little extras after the sessions and, and things like that is something that, that sort of lived with me. So now I try and take little bits from him there. And, and I've, as I said, I was fortunate enough to work with some great managers and it's just taking little bits, little five, ten percent, little moments of genius, I suppose, and, and trying to mould it into my own way. And Obviously, in terms of my coaching journey at the moment, I'm I'm still fairly early on in where I want to be long term. But it's just trying to find my own way, trying to find what works, and I just find by being out in the grass as much as possible and, and putting myself in challenging situations, it's helping me long term. Oh, brilliant! You, you, that's, that's some great insight there, mate. You, you mentioned about Zola and and how important the the fun yet challenging side of, of sessions how important that was to you and, and I guess now you said as as a coach how you value that so how how do you go about trying to get a balance of both in your coaching sessions now both fun yet challenging you got any tips for for those listeners who would want to achieve those I think I think the way I the way I go about things now I, I just try and be very clear on what I want out of the session um and then I'll sit there with me with my marker quite often. I write it on my desk because I'm, I'm quite visual, rather than on a bit of paper and I think, and just have a bit of fun with it, trying to trying to get to the point where I, I feel I can get what I need out of it. Um, in terms of tactical, right? What we're trying to work on this week, maybe having a, a picture ahead to the weekend in, in terms of the opposition, little ways we might be able to help the team, and and always, always, I, I'll encourage the boys to just enjoy it and express themselves and I always say I look for players who play with personality and and that's in absolutely everything from the rondos at the start try and have a bit of fun in them and, and it sort of links all the way through the session but don't don't get me wrong it's not it's not a jolly up do you know what I mean yeah. there's always hard work involved um, but I, I would say for me the, the planning part of the session is something that I've realised is so important even, even the way that I may want to act within the sessions at times. I think, right, I need to be really energetic. I need to be the one to, to ensure we get the tempo if it's a real high-intensity session. 
Um, if it's a second day recovery or whatever, and we're focused on the technical and the touches, then maybe I'll try and bring it down a little bit. And, and then there'll be other days we have, we have like a competition day where I just want the players to play. I'll just try and shut up and <laughs> let them get on with it and, and try and sort of work their way out because they're probably bored of me throughout the week. So it's important I give them their time to to be themselves and, and sort of find their way to learn and, and try and solve the problems themselves because ultimately I'm not the one on the pitch and I'm not going to be by their sides all the time. So... They need to, to try and learn as best they can on their own as well. That, that's really interesting. You you touched on there about how you, you're planning on how you have to act in sessions, whether that's energetic or you said to shut yourself up. Do you find that you have to put or more of your planning time goes into those kind of things rather than the specific practice or the, the sessions yeah, you deliver? Yeah, a bit of both really. And that is, that's certainly something I took away from um, from the Welsh course, uh, the pro license in terms of trying to know yourself, trying to trying to be aware of, of what you're like, how you're coming across, whether that's in a, um, whether it's in a, a presentation or whether it's out there in a session. So I think now I, I quite often watch back and review bits as well, just to, to obviously try and get an idea of what the boys are getting and, and what comes across to them but certainly not just having a focus on the football side the the psychological the mental side um, is obviously just as important as as the actual uh, football practice they're getting as well yeah brilliant I, I before we before we move on to to sort of your time at West Ham and, and now now over over the pond um, how would you what would you say is has benefited you or what are your lessons you've learned from from starting off at, at a category three academy I know it's uh, it's a, a different different challenges and a different environment to, to some of the cat ones um, but I'd be really interested to hear if there's anything that you that that exposed you to or developed in you that you now can use. Yeah, I, I, I think for me, just just really keeping you grounded. Um, I was quite lucky. I was at Cambridge and Peterborough both as a player. And obviously, when I went to West Ham, the facilities and um, the pitches, the grass, do you know what I mean? Everything just goes up a level. Um, so for me, obviously, being at Peterborough, you, you're, you're the coach, but you're also the, the minibus driver on a weekend. <laughs> you, you're, kind of, you're kind of doing a bit of everything. But for me, it was a great environment to learn because you had to, you had to be creative. So in terms of pre-season, we'd have a budget. So trying to maximise every single penny to make sure you we're getting as much as possible as we can to the boys. So obviously going from a cat-free club where the... You haven't got so much at your disposal in terms of obviously funds and coaches and extra stuff you want to do. So just trying to be really creative. Um, and then obviously in terms of getting to a Cat One Academy where the facilities are incredible, I suppose it's just trying to keep grounded and, and trying to keep the boys grounded as well and give them that... that that realism that it might not always be like this for for ninety percent of them. They they might have to go to a, a lower league club. They might have to drop out of the league to try and forge a career. And and just being aware that okay, this is great, but you've got to maximise it every single day. If you've got the best gym in the country, you've got to make sure you're in there using it. If the pitches are like a carpet, great. 
but make sure you embrace the pre-season games where you're going to Brentwood and getting kicked in the air by a bunch of men. So just trying to have that well-rounded sort of sort of look at things, I suppose, was the was a big thing. And as I said, for me personally, trying to be creative in the ways that we sort of make sure we maximise what was at our disposal. Yeah, brilliant. Um, then, as you said, you returned to West Ham. Um, you've, you've come through, well, obviously, such a history of producing players, that academy, I and mean, you've been fortunate to experience it on both sides. But obviously, without, I guess, without giving away too many of the secrets, what what is it that, that's made that club so successful in producing young players over the years? And, and sort of what what considerations did you have to sort of adhere to whilst whilst coaching there and, and working with the young players? Yeah, I'd say it probably changed quite a lot actually from when I was there as a player myself to when I was there as a coach. Um, obviously a big part of me joining the club at the time was because of Tony Carr. Um, obviously I wanted to be like Frank Lampard and Rio Ferdinand and Carrick and all the players that he'd brought through. Um, and Tony, Tony would have us out on the training pitch for hours and hours and hours. And so Tony was quite hard on us. I think even as his captain as a second year, I think I got about two compliments off him through the whole time <laughs> as a player. So it's quite interesting chatting to him now. Um, <laughs> but obviously going back as a coach, um, the West Ham uh, philosophy, I suppose, was was very different. It was. Um, very focused on the individual rather than the team. Um, I know a lot of clubs say, oh, we're, we're not too fussed about the result, but that was was very evident at West Ham. It was more, did we have the best player on the pitch? Um, because at West Ham, there was a heavy focus on, okay, you might build a good team, which would be great. But at the end of the day, you're looking for two or three to, to get through and, and get into the first team. Um and a lot of the, the sessions were, were very technical, which was great for me. It's the sort of sessions that I enjoy, but there was was never a focus on doing sort of any bigger stuff, any team shape. Um, everything was possessions, tight areas, getting the boys lots of touches. And it was interesting for me in terms of trying to get across uh, a team philosophy within working in sort of small areas a lot of the time so once again it was a real challenge in terms of the planning phase but um terry terry wesley was great for me and he always said what is a what is a young player going to get judged on whether he knows his position in and out tactically or whether he can handle a ball he said within the first sort of two or three minutes of being over with the first team when he's, he's first invited over there they'll know whether he can deal with it in tight situations, whether the first team can wrap their passes in, whether he can thread a ball. And that kind of sort of changed my outlook and and played a big part in, I suppose, the way I was sort of setting up my sessions. Um, so for me, it was, it, was, it was a great challenge once again, coming away more from the team stuff and trying to have that real heavy focus on your two or three best players within the session. And, trying to ensure that they're getting what they need out of a session. Um, and he, I mean, Grady Dean Garner is a great example. Um, gets, he's training with the 23s, gets taken over to the first scene straight away. The manager likes what he can do with the ball. Technically, he's good. He's twisting, he's turning, step overs. And 
I think last season he played 20 games in the first team, uh, which was great. And obviously this season he's on loan at West Brom, top of the league. I think they are scoring goals. So for me, it's a real eye-opener seeing sort of the work they were doing with Grady, making sure he was he was good in them tight spaces and then seeing him go over to the first team and light it up. And I think that philosophy from Terry was sort of, was really sort of dripped down into the academy. Um and obviously me stepping away this, this year, I know Ricky Martin's obviously gone in. Whether that will change again, I, I'm not too sure. But <clears throat> having such a focus on the individual was was great for me and, and sort of my learning development. And is that is that something you you still focus on now? More do you just sway more to Well that's it. Or? Yeah, well it's it's, it's so uh, it's really interesting actually coming over to America there's, there's such a team focus okay <laughs> everything so it, for me I'm getting a real mix of both so in terms of coming out here it's very competitive um, but there's a lot more a lot more time sort of spelt, spent on working on the team and, and the tactical side of things so I think where I'm I'm able to sort of bring a bit of added value hopefully to the group is is still sort of having an emphasis on on the individual helping develop the individual and and sort of ensuring still that your top two three four players in the group are, are hitting what they need out of the session because ultimately it's, it's about ensuring that your best players are, are getting what they need and and they're the ones who are going to be the ones coming through the pack yeah no that was Leads me on to one of my my next questions. Going to be what are what are the biggest differences you're finding out there in not just the coaching world, but in the the game itself? Is there is there much? Yeah, no, I've been catching up. Yeah, I've been. Do you know what? I've been really pleasantly surprised. The standard is is very good. Um, the the level of of competition and in terms of real competition, there's everything's competitive. There's you're trying to qualify for a cup or trying to win a league, and it. I think that's something that that could be missing in England. And I know they're trying to do it a bit more now with the Premier League Cup, and obviously they've got the Youth Cup and and things like that. But there really is a a competitive nature out here. Um, sort of from from team to team and you can see that competition within the boys and they're really focused and they really want to win which is which is great for me because obviously they come in and they want to work hard and they they certainly want to be that player in the starting 11 um so in terms of that that team and and that gel and that bond as a group it, it was really strong already when I first come in um, so as I said, now now for me it's it's great because I'm I'm really trying to work on and focus on setting up a team. Um, obviously, long term I, I want to be a, a first team manager somewhere. So in terms of going into the games with a, a real sort of heavy focus on winning as well is is a, a great challenge for me. And as I said, at the same time I'm the sort of player who never come away from that individual development, that one on one stuff, and and sort of. The, the managers I really look to your, your Pochettinos your, your Eddie Howes the, the sort of managers who can build a team while still developing young talent is, is something that I'm still looking to, to do now and, and just try and find that right mix and that right blend um, I would say the other big challenge is the travel <laughs> we, um, oh, we've done some miles already uh, but it, it's great it's part of the reason why I come over I wanted to to see different parts of the world I wanted to to see what the football culture the football environment's about and 
I mean, for me, I've, I've already been out to Colombia with a group, which is great. South America's on our doorstep. So the opportunity to to sort of get out there and and obviously within the club, we've got lots of South American players and coaches. So to see what they're like in and around the place is, is, is also great for me as well. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of still finding my feet. I'm, I'm four months into the role now. Um, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still getting to grips with all the different leagues and, and qualifications and playoffs <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But I think for me, the big thing is I'm, I'm absolutely loving going into work every day. I'm, I'm enjoying being out the grass and the group I'm currently working with, we've got some real top, top players. So the, the opportunity I'm getting to work with these young lads who have got a real opportunity to sort of kick on and step on is is great for me and I'm I'm really sort of happy of where I'm at at the moment. Oh brilliant. And is is it right in, in thinking there's a there's a heavy emphasis on the the multidisciplinary side of things out there in terms of sports science and, and analysis or or is that a misconception? Uh, yeah. I mean the, the the younger teams they they do kung fu <laughs> and <laughs> yoga, but I think a lot of clubs are, are sort of going down that that road now. But I mean, it, certainly at Atlanta, there's a real heavy soccer focus. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? The boys are in the boys are in five nights a week. Their 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 program is is very full on with a, a real heavy focus on on getting them good at, at obviously football and getting them where they need to be and and just trying to provide absolutely everything that that we can to to give them the tools and equip them so that they can go on and and have a career in the game um and one thing I will say, the facilities are absolutely incredible. I'm not sure if you've seen the Mercedes-Benz Stadium with the first team play, but it's it's certainly the best I've ever been to. Yeah. And is it all where the roof like wheel shut? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 insane. Um, but the training facilities are, are great. Um, and something that really really sort of captured me as well. It's only the academy is only sort of three or four years old. It's it's young. It's it's growing all the time and to be part of a project that's that's really looking to to become one of the the big hitters not only in america but worldwide is is great because they're building all the time they're trying to add new roles um i mean we've just got a link with aberdeen which will certainly be an eye-opener if any of the young lads let america get an opportunity to go spend a week at aberdeen i mean what an experience that would be for them certain <laughs> yeah, yeah. toughen them up and, and send them back well equipped but to be part of a, a project and a journey within a club while i'm on a project and a, a journey myself is is obviously really exciting and and it's great so what's the what's the setup like in terms of the uh, are, the, are the under 18 group or the 17s group are they full time like scholars in England would be or, or are they still at school or how does it work yes it's, yeah, it's, it's quite different um, I mean the first thing which is great is the first team the second team and all the academy teams down to under 12s are on the same site Oh, um, which you don't often get. So in terms of having access to to what the first team are doing, right down to the under the twelves, you you really get a, a broad overview of what's going on. Um, so they start under twelves; they don't go below that um, at the moment. But maybe it's something they're looking to do further down the line. Um, and then up the top end, they've got a seventeens who I'm with uh, under nineteens. 
a second team who play in the USL, so like the second league in America, which is obviously a good standard and a great place for the boys to, to go and really learn their trade and, and then the first team. Um, but my, my age group in particular is really interesting because um, the boys are still at school full time, so we train in the evenings. Um, so for them having to commit to school all day and then come out and train at sort of 5, 5.30 is a big ask. Gym after the sessions as well. So it's a long day for them, but they're willing to put in the work. Um, some of the boys within my age group will be looking to sort of gain a scholarship at college um, and go down that route and then others will be looking to sort of get a professional contract and look to go try and get in with a USL team the second team and work their way up like that so in terms of having that that real mix and a a different focus and driver for each of them it's been really good and and really interesting Oh fantastic and like you said a great project for you to be to be involved with and and challenging yourself with yeah definitely yeah it's it's, it's good fun and it's it's a it's a great club and yeah at the moment I'm, I'm really enjoying it and and trying to pick people's brains trying to learn and obviously trying to help these young lads because it's a real important age group for them no oh, fantastic um i guess what we usually do i'm conscious of time i know you got a, a life and, and I've stole some of your time on your day off. So <laughs> that was silly. We, we, we usually do um, some some quick fire questions at the end. We're going we're going to do it slightly different today because uh, I say we can ask you uh, these questions as a player and as a coach. So let's, <laughs> cool, uh, like. <laughs> let's 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 go with with Jack Collison, the player at the moment. So uh, Jack, who is the best player you've ever played with? And why? Oh, uh, for me, it's all good <laughs> for me. It was Scotty Parker. Um, he was incredible as a young player coming through and he set the standards in training every day. And, and on a match day, he was ridiculous. I mean, you think he won football right as player of the year in a team that got relegated, uh, which is unheard of. Yeah, yeah. So he probably, had, he probably had some of his best years actually during that period at West Ham. Um, so to get to play alongside him was just great. I played on the right hand side of the diamond or the left of the diamond and he was at the base. And whenever I was in trouble with a ball, we'd always be available. And I'll never forget that. And quite often if someone would give me a kick, you'd see Scotty go and, uh, go and absolutely smash him and sort of get up with a little smile on his face and get on with it. Um, so, so to sort of have someone like that around me and play alongside was, was fantastic. Oh, that's, that's quality, mate. And, and what about the what was the best ever team you played against? What, who did you find? Oh, you must have played against. I mean, pretty decent. Yeah, at the time. I was as a as a real young kid. I was a Chelsea fan, so um, I used to go down Stamford Bridge quite a bit. And I suppose for me, as a as a young player growing up, you always think, right? Oh, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea. So when when I was in the first team at West Ham and got the opportunity to go to Stamford Bridge and play against Chelsea, that was a that was a real top top game. And I mean, after that, I don't think we ever got any points from Chelsea. They always used to beat us. Frank Lampard always used to score because the fans used to give him stick. But certainly that first away game that I played in, they had Joe Cole, Lampard, Deco. They had a, a real proper team out, and we managed to nick a one-one draw. So that was probably one of my 
one of my best games as a as a player, but also one that I I remember the most against a real top top team. Oh, that's quality. Who who's your who's been your best? You might not be able to choose, but best coach or manager? Who did you? Who I guess who got the best out of you, or who have you? Oh, so this is quite an interesting one because. Zola, hands down, was the best best manager, coach, whatever you want to call him, that um, that I worked with. Um, said that care, that detail, that, that sort of one-to-one relationship. And when he first came in for me, I was a young player, not even in the team. Uh, I was sort of probably the 20th man in the squad, so travelling most weeks. Um, but the fact that he would take time after training to, to sort of help me with my technical stuff, with my passing try and teach me how to take free kicks although I was absolutely useless and he was just um, he was unbelievable with his free kicks but little things like that and then it gets to a point where right okay he's dropped me in a game and then he started playing me regularly but because of them certainly the early days it was at a point where I'd sort of run for a brick wall for him whatever he said I would I would sort of go and do it and I think a large part of that coming from him just taking a little bit longer maybe to not just worry about his starting 11 not just about his subs but the entire squad that he's sort of working with um, so certainly him but I also when I was at West Ham I had a month on loan at Bournemouth um, and working with Eddie Howe in that four weeks was mind-blowing you can see why he's gone on and done so well and sort of reinvented the team year after year and got better and better um, he, he was top top his sessions were brilliant um, and he's once again his detail his planning and the way he'd make you feel going into a game was was incredible and <clears throat> I mean I come back to West Ham after that month and got back in the team but I was I was trying to push for a signing at, at one point midway through my loan <laughs> oh wow just That's because that. of the impact on you. <laughs> yeah certainly too two real top top coaches and I suppose more importantly they were top people oh brilliant no mate what a great insight that is I, I, I guess now I'll ask you the same questions as a as a coach or, or a fan so in, in your opinion in your opinion you might say the same one but who, who's been the best ever Premier League player in your opinion oh, oh, I mean I once again as a, as a player I was quite lucky I, being a midfielder I looked to Obviously, Gerard, Lampard, Skulls, them, them sorts of boys. Um, oh, it's so difficult. And <laughs> I mean, I, I got to play against all three of them, and they all gave me the run around every game. Um, for me, I know I'm very biased, but it was Frank Lampard. You can't be a midfielder and score twenty plus goals. I think he'd done it five seasons on the bounce from midfield. Um, I just used to love him and the fact that he's gone into management now and uh, is doing so well with like a young vibrant Chelsea team just makes you sit back and think yeah he's a, he's a top player and a top like oh they're great to watch and they're exciting they, they try and do things the right way and I think you always get that with young players and it's uh, certainly something I'll, I'll take as I go along my journey you give young players the chance and you give them that platform quite often they go out there and exceed expectations Oh, brilliant, mate. What about the which which sort of Premier League team do you think's been the best over the years in a, a specific season or group of players? Who would you say? Oh, good question. Good question. Obviously, being a Chelsea fan, Mourinho's built some great teams, isn't he? And he's probably 
even though he's he's still one of my favourite managers. The, the way he's bowled into Tottenham is just great. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, isn't he? Ask, but that ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's he's brilliant. Some of his comments. So I, I'm a big Mourinho fan, and probably the seasons where he had Robin and Drogba and Joe Cole was firing that that sort of season there. John Terry at the top of his game, Czech Lampard, sort of that spine of that Chelsea team was was incredible and, and being a Chelsea fan as a kid to see him sort of be successful not just once but a few seasons was was great and for me that that Chelsea team under Marino was someone who I watched very closely and someone I certainly enjoyed watching so that, that leads me on to my next question would you say Mourinho's the best coach or, or manager of all time or does someone trump him oh, oh, oh. I think you can't look past Alex Ferguson, can you, Sarah Alex, in terms of longevity, in terms of just sort of reinventing himself. Because when he first started, the type of players he would have been dealing with, to the type of players he would have been dealing with towards the end, just shows how much he must have had to adapt yeah. and learn. Obviously, sports science coming in and all these psychologists and things like that is probably something he never had access to in the early days but the fact he was successful over sort of 20-25 years is just testament to him and hearing people speak about him and and the way they, they speak about how he was around the place how he demanded the standards and, and some of them teams he's built it's, it's got to go down to him at the moment <laughs> yeah yeah no, it's hard to argue with that I think isn't it <laughs> yeah um, last, last one mate then um what what we usually do is we ask the the guests to uh, to pick an all time England eleven, but I feel like it, asking someone who's who's got caps for Wales is probably not a, an appropriate question. So, what, <laughs> what about your all time Welsh eleven? Who would you pick? <laughs> and feel free no, to give yourself the armband if you want, mate. That's not a problem. No, no. I mean, some of this, I'm going to be quite biased because some of the the current squad really now, especially. The fact that they've qualified for two European Championships on the bounce is obviously unheard of. So uh, I think a lot of the, the current squad will will be in and around it. I think probably have to go and got to stick Craig Bellamy in there just because he's a he's a he's an absolute animal. So <laughs> get get Bellamy in there. I reckon let's let's have a think. We go obviously Southall's got to be your main man in goal, isn't he? I'm going to be quite biased at the back. I'm going to go with. Let's think. I'm gonna go. We'll go Ben Davis. We'll go. I've got to go with Ginge and uh, Gabs. So James Collins, Danny Gabadon, my two centre backs. I might even play the back three. It means I can get more midfielders in there. <laughs> Hey, you're in charge, mate. Do what you need to do. I know. I can't look past the Welsh PLO, so I've got to get Joe Allen in there sitting. (laughs) Um, A real interesting... It's it's a tough one now because, for me, I grew up watching Simon Davis play um, at Peterborough, so he's a bit of a Welsh legend for me. But I also love watching Jason Kumas. He was a madman, but some of his goals he scored were just were just frightening. So whether I can squeeze him in, I'm not sure. <laughs> I go, I go. Joe Allen, Simon Davis at the base. Oh, I'm going to go Bellamy and Rush up top. Obviously, the two big hitters. Maybe Bale down the left. Ramsey as a ten. Oh, who have I got down the right? Who have I forgot? 
Surely it's a current manager, surely. Yeah, I suppose Giggsy's got to get in there, isn't he? But maybe, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to go Bale off the right because he can cut in on his lefty. Giggsy with his pace down the left. We go Bellamy, Rush, Rambo as a 10. Now, that's not bad, is it? That's not a bad side. You'd take that big South Wing goal. (laughs) Yeah, we'd be all right. No, Gabadon, Collins at the back. There we go. What a team. Well, we'd, we'd, love, we'd love to see that, that play some of the England 11s with Matty Joseph's gone with a, yeah. a ball playing centre half and he picked Martin Keogh, So, Oh, did he really? Martin Brilliant. He's been getting some stick for that ever since. But yeah. no, mate. I bet he has. No, that's brilliant. Listen, Jack, I, I know I know you, like I said earlier, it's your day off. So, um, I'll, uh, I'll let you go and uh, enjoy, no, I appreciate enjoy your that. time off, mate. Thank you so much for your your time and sharing some excellent insights. I've I've really enjoyed it, and I'm sure the listeners will too. But um, I wish you all the best for the future, mate. I'm, I'm no doubt you'll you'll be very successful in your future coaching career. Um, no, I appreciate that. No, best. thanks, thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. So Good stuff, mate, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, thanks, Thank you. Brad. Cheers, Lee. Bye-bye. Right. So there it is. Told you were going to like it. Some great points there. So again, big thanks to Jack. Make sure you get yourself over to iTunes, subscribe, listen to some of the other podcasts. If you've not, there's five other episodes. Um, please do share. In the meantime, enjoy your uh, week ahead. Any football, any coaching you're doing. And get yourself over to our sponsors, Pitch, at www.pitchimt.com. Thanks again. See you all next time. Bye-bye.